0: Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church Newburn Podcast. My name is Paul Scott Straditzky. I am one of your hosts, and I am joined by Anna. Hey, Anna.
1: Hey, Paul Scott. Have you been doing anything interesting or fun in your day job lately?
0: Uh, We've been celebrating the 12 days of holiday cheer, which I actually props to my principal for calling it that, because as we know, the 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas.
1: We do know this.
0: So shout out to them. And yeah, uh, there's some puppetry involved.
1: And I will say that it has highly entertained the church staff and been a delightful breath of joy as we've been working on multiple bulletins and figuring out sermons and schedules. So I want to thank you for your fun, joyful work yeah, and for yeah, sharing
0: it. No problem. Anytime. Uh, yeah. So a couple years ago, the art teacher at my elementary school, um, it was Red Ribbon Week which mm-hmm. they celebrate, and uh, we just got in our minds that we wanted to do puppets for the for that week on the school news, which we record every morning, and uh, I kind of like those um, Fandango paper bag puppets, yeah. and so I asked the art teacher to just make some puppets that were kind of made out of paper bags that look good, and she made great puppets, and I, over the years, kept them, and then I named them, and then just special times during the year for school... Uh, I record the news doing silly voices and having now a whole story, and I mean, it's I'm like, it's getting t- to be too much, actually.
1: But it's a good plot, and it keeps us guessing, and we're waiting for the next installment. So um, just wanted to get this on record on the podcast that you have promised to provide further installments.
0: Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, well, as we uh, are here on the podcast, then um, we've got a couple things to talk about. One, I'm going to skip to it. One is... Uh, the artwork on the bulletin. And you talk about it in the sermon. What's up I, with the artwork?
1: Well, the the topic of this week's sermon is Joseph. And Joseph doesn't get a lot of attention. So we go look for artwork. And of course, we have to find art that we, can, we have permission to use. And often we go to museum websites, all sorts of other things to find good artwork. And there's tons of Mary and Jesus, Madonna and Child. But I really wanted a picture of Joseph holding baby Jesus, a really tender picture. It was incredibly difficult to find. I found some ancient statues, um, but not really anything that spoke. Um, And then someone posted a meme on Facebook with an illustration, and as we should all do, they credited the creator. So I went online, I found him, I found where he posted his artwork. I emailed him and asked for his permission and for a small usage fee, which is completely appropriate because artists, I mean, this is their living. Um, So we paid that for permission to put it on our bulletin. And it's, I mean, I really think it's a beautiful image. It's of Joseph holding um, baby Jesus and Mary is asleep. Um, resting, and it's it's a very tender and vulnerable image, and that's the image we get of Joseph from today's scripture reading. All
0: right, yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna put a link in the show notes. It mm-hmm. is printed in the bulletins if you come in. Uh, Absolutely, or, or if you were at church yeah. um, yesterday. Um, the other thing we wanted to bring up on my podcast list here is that uh, First Presbyterian Church were, were champions. <laughs> we're, that is, we're, yes, we are. We're not talking. I mean, congratulations to the Bern uh, High School football. Uh, boys the bears they're, they're also coaches
1: done we've got cheerleading coach and football coach is done here
0: um that's great but also important are the in the live display uh window um, yes. this was what last weekend yes last weekend first prez and led by Catherine campbell
1: mm-hmm. um, and got, the young adults
0: and the young adults got together and they were in a window at carolina creations that's right and um i, w- I went and saw it. you went and saw it
1: It was awesome. And what I loved was that we did that with our neighbors, the synagogue next door. They had one of the windows and we had the other. So it was a real team effort. Um, It was joyful. It was fun. There were crowds outside of that window. There really
0: were crowds outside. Uh, I took some pictures of that, too. Uh, And then so people could scan a QR code and then they could vote for any of the windows. There were several all through downtown. Mm -hmm. And uh, ours got the most votes. Thus, we are the champions.
1: Not that it's a competition, but it was a competition, and we won
0: and we won so yes um, this is great. We got to start planning for next year
1: um, yes, but not everything we do has to become a tradition. We were invited to do this this year by Carolina Creations. They had a different theme last year. They might have a different theme next year. so we will wait and see what invitations. Come our way.
2: All right. Well, that
0: sounds good to me. Well, everyone, we want you to have a great week. Uh, If you're listening to this right away, it's the 19th.
1: So that means on the 21st, we're having a service for the longest night on the longest night. Simply a time to be in a quieter worship space and acknowledge the places in our lives that are hard or heavy or sad right now.
0: Then fast forward to Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. Christmas Eve is?
1: 5 and 730. We have... Five. It's a service that is led by Catherine Campbell and our youth. And then at 7.30, uh, a traditional Christmas Eve worship service. Both services will have candlelight. We'll be doing communion at 7.30. And then Christmas Day, one service, 10 o'clock. I have special slippers already picked out. Um, you are welcome to come in your pajamas or in blue jeans. Um, it'll be a joyful time. I mean, it, it's the day. It's, it's Christmas morning. It's Christmas. Christmas casual. Yeah, pajamas. but it's Christmas. It's a great time to be with your church family. And and I'm really, you know, I don't know that I want a service on Christmas Day and Christmas Eve every year, but it's on Sunday and that's when we gather. So I'm I'm looking forward to it.
0: All right. Well, we hope to see you there. And everybody, once again, have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, wait. Oh, whoa, whoa. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, spoiler alert. Uh, we're not going to be uh, here next week. We're going to take off one week, which will be the 26th correct. That's Monday the 26th. We're going to take that off. We might, you know, I can't just sit around.
1: No, and there are, there are going to be great videos on the 25th, or actually go back one day. On the 24th, we're going to have a video on our YouTube channel. It'll be linked on our webpage from the Candlelight Music Service that is on the evening of the 18th. And then on Christmas Day, we're going to have our Christmas Eve worship service video. So there's plenty of that. And um you never know what Paul Scott will edit out. Yeah, I might
0: out. clip some stuff yeah, together for Christmas. Yes. Just a little audio Christmas, little little something, yeah. something. And so. then we'll be back. I'll be back uh, podcasting with uh, a guest host, Steve maybe yep. because he is preaching on... January 1st. Yeah, New Year's New, Year's New Day. New Year's Day.
1: Excellent. Yep. I, I have that week off. Where I'm going to spend some time with my family before our daughter goes back to college and just soak up every moment with her because that's what every college student wants is lots of quality time with mom.
0: We do talk about her on every episode. <laughs>
1: no, All right, we will,
0: we will talk to you again and have a great Christmas. And we'll see you on YouTube and we'll see you in real life.
1: Thanks, Paul Scott. Let us pray. Gracious God, illumine the words we are about to hear by your spirit that we might hear what you would have us hear, and be who you would have us be, for the sake of Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. We are reading from the first chapter, starting with the 18th verse. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother had been engaged to Joseph, He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nativity Poem by Louise Gluck It is the evening of the birth of God. Singing, and with gold instruments, the angels bear down upon the barn. Their wings neither white, wax, nor marble, so they have been recorded, burnished. Literal in the composed air, they raise their harps above the beasts, likewise gathering the lambs and all the startled silken chickens. And Joseph, off to one side, has touched his cheek meaning he is weeping. But how small he is, withdrawn from the hollow of his mother's life, the raw flesh bound in linen, as the stars yield light to delight his sense, for whom there is no ornament. And there he is, off to one side, off to one side, Joseph. That is Joseph's place in this story, to the side, He is a supporting character, an accessory, but I love the way the poet describes him, moved and vulnerable and joyful. But still, to the side, we don't normally talk about Joseph, do we? I vividly remember the very first time I heard this passage of Scripture. It was during the Lessons and Carols rehearsal. I was in middle school, I attended a 12-year Episcopal school in Charleston, South Carolina, the same school my nephew now attends. And one of our deep traditions there was that each year the choirs of the middle and high schools prepare and share a service of nine lessons and carols for the church, for the school and for the community. And our directors took it very seriously. So when we rehearsed, there were no shortcuts. We did full-on rehearsals, and I remember sitting there. I remember sitting there listening and hearing this scripture for the first time. I remember hearing about Joseph and looking up and thinking, wait, did they just talk about Joseph? Is he a part of this story, too? I mean, I remembered the passages from Luke. I remembered John's word made flesh. After all, I'm a cradled Presbyterian. I had heard these stories since childhood. But I couldn't ever remember hearing this powerful story of Joseph and how he changed his mind about Mary. Had I just ignored it when it had been read in church before? Or had it been skipped? Because that's what we so often do to Joseph. I can't answer that question definitively, but I think we just skipped the Joseph part of the story. Joseph doesn't get a lot of ink or screen time in the Christmas story. A friend of a friend recently told me about a friend who helped her child set up their brand new nativity scene. And as they did so, she asked her child to name each character as it went into its place. Now this child may be five years old, but she's a preacher's kid. So she's heard all of these stories before. She's been to church school. She's been to church. She knew Mary and she knew Jesus. She knew the shepherds and she knew the wise men. She put the angels right where they were supposed to be. But when her mom handed her Joseph, her daughter was stumped. She paused, she looked at the rest of the scene and finally she guessed and she asked, barn boy? That five-year-old is not the only one who has to think and look around a little when we're trying to figure out which one exactly is Joseph that goes in the nativity scene. Joseph is always much more difficult to identify than Mary, isn't he? When I was looking for art for the cover of this week's bulletin, I went, as I often do, to the website of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and I searched for images of Joseph and Jesus, and I had trouble finding them. Wondering if I was using the right terms to search, I quickly did a search for Mary and Jesus, Madonna and Jesus, Madonna and Child, and I promptly found more than 15,000 images in their collection. And when I finally weeded through the things I found when searching for Joseph, I found there were less than 200 images in that collection. Joseph doesn't get much play, he doesn't get much time, he doesn't get much ink, he's mainly an accessory in this story. But he wasn't an accessory for Jesus. For Jesus, Joseph was at the very center. It was Joseph who made it possible for Jesus to be of the house of David. It was Joseph that guaranteed that Jesus had a home, an earthly family, that he was not born the child of an unwed mother without any means of support or family. It was Joseph who would rescue Jesus from the wrath of Herod and take his brand new family to Egypt and then back to Israel once it was safe and then to Nazareth. Joseph is the one who would keep Jesus safe as long as he could, making all sorts of life-changing decisions for this son that was not his son. It didn't start out that way. When Joseph discovered that his wife-to-be was pregnant, understandably, he had cold feet. He didn't know whose baby it was, only that it wasn't his. Joseph wasn't vindictive, the story tells us, but he also wasn't sure he wanted to marry a woman who was having someone else's child. And so he planned, as Matthew tells us, to dismiss her quietly. It was an honorable thing for Joseph to do. It was a kind thing for Joseph to do. It was, in fact, the righteous thing to do for his time. But it would have been disastrous for Mary. Without family, without support, she might have been homeless, on the streets, or at the very worst, she could have been sentenced to death for being an unwed mother. Joseph was hoping to avoid that worst case scenario. He planned to dismiss her quietly. But then the angel appeared in the dream, and not just any angel, the angel of the Lord, and said, Joseph, son of David, do not hesitate to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph took the angel's advice, and it earned him a place to the side a place of caretaking, protecting and nurturing the life of Jesus so that he, like Mary, could watch the son he raised choose friends, make statements, and perform deeds that would eventually lead to his death. From the brief moment in Matthew where we are told that Joseph considers exiting the story, we know nothing that would indicate that he was anything but all in from that point on. And I cannot help but wonder if Joseph, while considered in so many ways an accessory, isn't the exact character we need to focus on this year at Christmas. The one who, when faced with the unknown, the unexpected, chose love and chose a faithfulness that superseded even the law. The angel is telling Joseph that his life is not going to turn out the way he anticipated, the way he wanted, but promises that God will be there. And Joseph knows he must make a choice. My colleague Jenny McDevitt preaches that Joseph says yes to this might be the biggest gospel, the biggest miracle recorded in Matthew's gospel. And it's certainly the biggest miracle that you or I have the capacity to replicate because God is always coming to us in ways that allow us to say no, We want things to be the way they are supposed to be. We want life to be the way we've always imagined it. And yet, Joseph, it's the miracle of saying yes, saying yes and allowing God's will to pave the way. Of course, life doesn't ever turn out the way we think it will. I think that's actually the 21st century's brand that things aren't going to happen the way that we think. Today, Joseph asks us, what are we going to do when things get turned around or upside down? What will we choose and how will we respond? And that's when looking at Joseph and focusing on Joseph comes through in the clutch for he teaches us that we too can have the courage to choose God to choose love, to choose the way God invites us to travel, to let go of what we thought would be, and instead embrace what can be. To ask, will we be the people who care about the footnotes in this headline world? The choices of Joseph make me think about the man in Arizona who, while out walking his dog one day, saw a little red speck in the grass. And when he went to investigate, discovered a Christmas list tied to a shredded balloon that had been floated just across the border by a little girl. The man went home to his wife. They were grieving the death of their only son. They decided to find this little girl take her the gifts that they had already bought for their now deceased son. And the story reminds us that borders are a human construction. The choice of Joseph reminds me of the homeless man sponsored by a secret Santa who gave away money to those who spoke to him, those who engaged with him, reminding us all that it's those often who have the least, who give the most. It makes me think about churches who just a few years ago were facing an unusual problem. There was a run in many places where people were stealing the baby Jesuses of nativity scenes and churches had to decide they had to choose how to respond. And some churches responded by bolting their baby Jesuses in place. And others responded by having a whole stockpile of the pretend babies, ready to put another one out, knowing that if they had enough on hand, there would always be enough Jesus to share, enough Jesus to go around that they could hold on loosely. Will we be people like Joseph? Will we be people who pay attention to the footnotes in this headline obsessed world? It may be that these small things, it may be that noticing the small things, paying attention to the smaller characters will not make the changes we think need to be made. It may not stave off climate change or help us get rid of nuclear weapons or make Republicans and Democrats get along. But I can't help but wonder that if we really want these things to happen, we have to start by refusing to paint people with a broad brush and pay attention instead to the details, the small things, particularly those that are easiest to set to the side. And isn't that exactly what God did? What God did in the stories that we are hearing today and the ones we will hear in the week ahead? Stories about an unmarried, pregnant teenager, a father-to-be who by all rights should have walked away, common laborers out working in a field Foreigners who are told they don't belong. Heavenly hosts that keep the mystery alive. And the King, the one powerful one in the world in the story, who is not invited to the scene in question, but instead is tricked so that he will stay away. It's an unlikely community that's created by Jesus, but that's the one Jesus calls together the lessons Jesus teaches, the lessons that Joseph starts teaching Jesus before he is even born, the lessons he can teach us. So let's notice Joseph, not just at Christmas time, but at all times, and strive to choose as he did. When Joseph awoke from the sleep, he did as the angel commanded him. Amen. Let us go from this worship in peace, paying attention to the stories, to the characters that are at the side, that we might focus on the promises God gives on the Jesus who is coming. Alleluia. Amen.